Hi, I'm Michael Hartman. I'm Naomi Liu. And I'm Mike Rizzo. And this is OpsCast. A podcast for marketing ops pros. And RevOps pros. Created by the MoPros, the number one community for marketing operations professionals. Tune in to each episode as we chat with real professionals to help elevate you in your marketing operations career. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of OpsCast brought to you by the MoPros. I'm Michael Hartman, joined today by co-hosts Naomi Liu and Mike Rizzo. And normally I would ask you to say hello, but do we really need to do that today? <laughs> I don't think no. so. No, we're good. I think so. We're good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get right into this. Today, we've got a special guest. We've got Amy Goldfein. As Amy says Hello. by day, she is head of marketing operations at Iterable, the customer activation platform that helps brands deliver joyful experiences with harmonized, individualized, and dynamic communications at scale. I feel like that we should be getting you know, some sort of sponsorship money for this. I don't know. <laughs> right? That was a great read. I didn't do That's awesome. By I'm night, Amy. Thanks, you. <laughs> yeah. By, by night, Amy is the founder of marketingopsadvice.com, a site for MoPros to get actionable advice on both technical and strategic topics. Her motto is more ops, less oops. I had to read that twice to make sure I got it right. And Amy is also a Marketo certified expert and four-time Marketo champion. Amy, I know you already said it, but thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Really excited to talk to y'all. This is going to be fun. Um, so when you and I first talked about you joining us as a guest, uh, you had recently just started the, the the blog for MoPros. Why don't we start with just like, what was the initiation behind that? What led you to starting the blog and kind of how is it going so far? Yeah, you know, I really love helping other MoPros. You know, I spend a lot of time in the MoPro community. I'm um, a moderator on the Marketing Nation boards. You know, I'm a Marketo champion. And part of that is a lot of like advocacy and helping people. I run the San Francisco Marketo user group. Um, and there kept being these themes that were coming up over and over. And I found myself like typing out the same responses or kind of looking for articles that would help people. And there was just things where I felt like there were gaps and then there was also things where I just felt like I had found these cool ways of doing things or things that were really important that I just like wanted to get out in the world because I wanted to people know like how to find errors in Marketo or, you know, how to, um, you know, pull in uh, RSS feeds of all your status notifications, you know, into Slack so you can kind of know what's going on with all your tech. So, you know, I've written a lot for you know, the Marketo blog, I've given a lot of presentations, but I decided I wanted to own something of my own and, you know, have something that I could really control. And so uh, marketingopsadvice.com was born. That's a clutch domain too, by the way. I'm just saying. Thank you. <laughs> I think prior to the call, we, we were suggesting that there's probably a number of us in the community that are like dom domain hoarders. Yeah. <laughs> you come up with a good one. You're like, oh, I wonder if that's available. And then you snag it for like $12 or whatever. Yeah. I, I bought a couple. My hover bill is kind of insane, but you know, it's <laughs> worth it. That's awesome. So funny. That's great. Um, so, so how long is, so how long has the, the, the blog been live now? Uh, just maybe like two months, you know, months. um, it really started with this, um, me really wanting to talk about the four pillars of marketing operations. And I really want to write this article called, um, WTF is marketing operations. Um, you know, I was just, um, felt like this was a concept that I really wanted the world to understand. It's been so helpful. It's really been like life changing to my career. Um, and there's not a ton of content on it and not a ton of content in the way that I feel like it should be presented. So I was like, I'm going to write this. I'm going to write this for myself. I'm going to share it with the world and hopefully it'll help people. 
Yeah, so that's one of the things we wanted to talk about is that specific post. Was that the? I think that was the first post yeah. on your blog, right? Yeah. Yep. So, um, and I, I love the PG name you know, title of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> so yeah. So for the folks who haven't already read your blog, because I'm sure it's circulating, you know, throughout throughout the the community. You know, can you you mentioned the four pillars? So maybe not yeah. everybody knows what that is. Why don't you talk to us what, yeah. what those are? Absolutely. So um, I did not create the four pillars of marketing ops. I give so much credit to Edward Unthank, who runs the consultancy at Tumos, um, and they run the MopsCon virtual conference. And in 2019, his uh, keynote was the state of marketing operations, and he introduced this concept of the four pillars of marketing ops. And it just was like mind blowing. Um, and it really helped me realize why I was unhappy in my job and what I really wanted to get out of my job. And what the four pillars does is explains what marketing operations is because marketing ops is not one thing. Um, and it kind of allows you to understand what the different functions are, um, how to build your team, how to get what you want out of your career. Um, so the first pillar is platform ops. And this is really like running the engine of marketing ops um, from both a technical and a strategic perspective. And I should say that all of these pillars, there's technical and strategic pieces to it. Um, I think we often think about the execution, but there's so much strategy behind it as well. So this is admitting your tools, implementing migration, you know, architecture, governance, naming conventions and taxonomy. Um, you know, if you're a Marketo user, these are your operational programs in your admin panel. So scoring, lifecycle, integrations, all that kind of stuff. Um, this is actually like what I really love, both from a technical and a strategic perspective. Um, I love platform ops. It's really like, you know, where my heart lies. Um, I think it's probably like one of the um, the ones that people don't see as much and the one like doesn't get as much love. But if you don't start with this pillar, you can't do the other ones. Um, platform or you know, pillar two is campaign ops. Um, and this is really the implementation of your marketing programs in your MarTech tools. So this is probably the most visible. This is actually what people think marketing ops is, right? This is sending emails um, we, 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 they do emails yeah. over there in that group. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they do webinars, right? Um, all that stuff's really important. You cannot do it if you don't have a good foundation of platform ops and you can't do it well without a good strategy. Um, but you know, it's everything from any templates. So obviously my bias is from Marketo. So Marketo has program templates, which are like really the foundation of scaling your campaign ops, but this is really platform agnostic. So setting up your webinar in your marketing automation platform and your webinar tool, building the invites and operational emails, syncing it to your CRM, tracking registration attendance, posting the recording for on-demand viewing, all of that like technical part of getting your marketing out in the world um, is campaign ops. And honestly, I'd love to hear your perspective. I think if you're a small team, this may be actually like, or if you're a one person or you're even like not a full-time marketing ops person, this is probably primarily what you're doing. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would even go so far, especially if you're like a team of one or two. Yeah. Like when you're expected to be both tactical and strategic, right, that this will eat up 90% of your time. And so the strategy yep. is what suffers or, yep. you know, longer term kind of big vision thing. So totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 
Campaign ops can be centralized or decentralized. I don't want to go too far into that because that could be an entire separate conversation. Um, I think, but, I think you know, we have. I think we actually have some episodes already on that particular topic. Yeah, so. it's a it's a it's a hot topic. I have very I have emotions about it, but um, <laughs> I have emotions. Uh, but you know, just briefly, centralized is when you have a single person or a team executing. So they take requests and they're, you know, real specialists in the tools. Um, decentralized is when the marketers who own the campaigns also own the campaign execution. But in that case, you need somebody to train them and you need somebody to help them when they mess up. You need someone to like help them. They have questions. It does not take the entire burden off of marketing ops. Um, so, uh, the third pillar is marketing intelligence ops. Um, it's actually like the term I like the least. It's a little awkward because um, most people <laughs> just call it analytics or BI. Um, right. But, you know, we like to keep ops in, in all of them. Uh, but this is your reporting, right? This is obviously really important. If you're a smaller team, you're probably not doing, you know, or a younger, a less mature company, probably not doing a ton of this, but you're probably doing even basic stuff. Even let's use the webinar example, like how many people attended your webinars. <laughs> like that's marketing intelligence, right? Um and depending upon your company's maturity, your team structure, marketing ops may own this. BI may own this. There may be a partnership. You may have marketers who are stronger or less strong. Um, it it kind of depends. But no matter what, marketing ops needs to be involved. They really understand the data. Um, they can help you know, the marketers with their reporting. Actually, we have a whole um, initiative right now to train our marketers to be better at Salesforce um, so that they can run a lot of the reporting themselves. And then we're also working with our BI team on. Sorry, I um, just, I had like this yeah. shiver in my back from that statement. Right? <laughs> Tell me more. Like you think you're going to have the marketers, like I work with a lot of great marketers, but yeah. like just getting your head around the concepts of objects and Salesforce is, I think it's hard. Half the battle. And I think a lot of it is going to be like building templates for them, but, you know, just so they can, you know, for example, um, activate, which is our conference series. Like when we had activate virtual, I ran so many reports and it was just the same data sliced and diced a bunch of different ways, looking at accounts, looking at contacts, looking at, um, you know, uh, by region and by market segment and, you know, persona and all this stuff. And like afterwards I was talking to our, had a customer and partner marketing and she was like, Oh, she's like, no, no, no. My team should own that. Like you should give them the base report and then we need to teach them how to manipulate it themselves. That kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, and can I know, make a really bad dad joke? Uh, absolutely. I love dad jokes. <laughs> dad jokes. Totally bad. I was like thinking about, uh, marketing intelligence ops or, or my ops as, as they'll say. And I was like, you know what? My ops is not myopic. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Sh- that's we, great. we need it. I needed. I should have been ready with the sound effect. Like, uh, yeah, you should. Right. Have. Yeah. <laughs> Na- Naomi. So the folks who are listening can't see Naomi right now. Naomi's just like shaking her head. <laughs> she's like, I can't tell if she's <laughs> laughing or crying. Good thing I was on mute, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so funny. You know, um, but I think no matter what, no matter what your team is, it's really important for marketing ops to be involved in this. Like, you know, we have a very sophisticated BI team run by some really smart people, but they don't necessarily understand the data. They don't know what assumptions to make or really how to like, you know, uh, you know, they really need us to validate and to sort of be the conduit between the marketing team um, and the BI team. Um, and the last 
pillar is one uh, that I think is the most fun. It's also the one that I am definitely the least skilled in, um, and that is development operations or DevMops. Um, and this is custom coding in in your marketing tools. So everything from custom web development, scripting, non-native integrations, process automation, webhooks. I mean, the the sky's the limit. You know, all these tools have really great APIs. Um, you know, you can do a lot of great stuff. This is definitely something that unless your team is pretty big, um, you will probably outsource. So we have an agency that has a great dev team and like we need their help with some web scripting or we had them build a web-based naming convention generator, which is really cool. Um, mm. So, you know, especially with a decentralized team for them to be able to, you know, use a naming convention, they just, you know, pick fields, um, you know, from a drop down and it spits out a name um, and a description for them. So, um, you know, I, I love DevMops. I love that there are people that I can hire for specific projects and not have to have somebody, you know, full-time, but yeah, that, um, that, that's the four pillars. Yeah. So I had, I had heard of the four pillars a while back and never really dug into it probably until you and I talked and we put your blog post, but yeah, I could see how it could be used. Just before we go further, so Amy, so in that vein, you know, I think um, I, I, I do like the, the concept of how this is applied or, or the concept. How how do you suggest people apply it? And I think I'm thinking of at least two scenarios because you mentioned tactical versus strategic. And I, so I'm thinking like general sort of marketing ops use of the, of, of the model and leadership use of the model. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like, you know, there's a reason I give the subtitle of my uh, my post is why nobody fully understands your job and neither do you, <laughs> um, because I think it's so helpful for MoPros. You know, if you are looking for a job and you look at 10 different job descriptions, you will see 10 very different roles. I have seen some, I've seen roles called marketing ops that are not marketing ops. I've seen email marketing jobs called marketing ops. I've seen project management jobs called marketing ops. You know, and when it's, I swear that having these four pillars and understanding them, it's like you have a secret code. It's like, you know, when you're a kid, you get that like spy kit and there's like the decoder thing and you put, you know, put the, the, um, clear sheet like over and all of a sudden like shows what's be, you know, behind. Sorry, I'm really bad at metaphors, but we're just going to go no, with it. No, this is a really good one. <laughs> okay, thank you. I was like sitting here like, oh yeah, I totally remember that. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know what you call it. It's not decodering, but anyway, um, it really like gives you a map. And after I you know, watched this MopsCon keynote, which is available on YouTube, I, I always recommend people watch it. One of the reasons I wrote the article is most people don't have like 45 minutes or an hour to watch the whole thing. <laughs> um, but it's great. Uh, but I was like, oh, you know, I looked at job descriptions and I suddenly understood, oh, you know what? This, they really want somebody with dev experience. I don't have that this is all campaign ops. I don't want to do that. This is a little more marketing intelligence that I really want to do. You know, it really like helped me, you know, pick and choose the job descriptions that I wanted. It also helped me have like really intelligent conversations with uh, hiring managers and recruiters. I think in every interview, and this is uh, back when we had in-person interviews, I think I drew out the pillars on the whiteboard every single time. Um, mm. So I think that really helps. It also it helped me understand why I was unhappy at my job. Um, you know, I was in a, a great job. Um, I, you know, was managing a direct report. I was at a company that's really going somewhere. They were acquired not long after I left. Um, but 
I was miserable and I realized it's because my quarterly projects were all platform ups. It was like lead scoring, lead lifecycle, all integrations, all that kind of stuff. But my boss kept pulling me into campaign ops and like, I hate doing campaign ops. Like, I just, <laughs> it's really like just, I've, I've run more webinars than I like to think about. Like I've sent a ton of emails. I don't want to do that anymore. I like to help people scale that. I love like helping coming up with the program templates and figuring out like what the um, campaign member status is and all that stuff and helping people do things faster and better, but I don't want to do it. So Mm -hmm. it really helped me. And, you know, plenty of interviews, we'd start talking and afterwards I'd be like, yeah, actually like you're looking for something that's, this is, this is mostly campaign ops. This is not what I want to do. I don't think we should continue further. So I think it was good for me, you know, and the companies. Um, so that's, you know, that like really helps. And I think also like, even if you're happy in your job, you know, or you're not looking for a new job, it can help you just understand like, you know, what do I want to keep doing? What I want to, what do I want to do more of? What do I want to, um, do less of? And, you know, what do I want to learn? So it really helps, um, you know, guide those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think those are all yeah. really good call outs. Just, just like having a framework to operate within, um, uh, you know, a couple things. Like one of them is to your point about job descriptions. I think as a community call out to the wild again, repeatedly over and over and over again, like it is our job as a community to try to help establish some of those foundational, Mm -hmm. uh, boundaries. Um, and so, so you will see from us uh, in the coming weeks, like, a proposed sort of set of job descriptions and basics. Um, That's and we will absolutely like want the community's feedback. I would expect, um, I'm positive that there will be some that don't agree, but you know, like uh, as, if the majority, yeah. <laughs> if the majority are like, you know, no, 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 that makes sense. Then that's a win. And that's what we're looking for. We need to set a baseline. So, so yeah. call out to the wild, keep your eyes out for yeah. that. Like we need that. And then using this, like, the, the pillar concept, which I've been uh, aware of for a while now, um, I think is tremendous. Like, I think it's a really good thought leadership piece. Um, I think it helps you frame up your career trajectory and sort of the, the inner working of like what you do on a day in day out basis to try to figure out where do you, like you said, where do you want to spend more time? Where do you want to spend maybe a little less time? And then how do you have that conversation with your leadership on, Hey, like, look, I'm, you know, I'm not making this up. Like, largely, you know, for those that are aware of this, this idea of the four pillars, you know, here's, here's sort of the way to think about it. And, and people need that, right? Leaders need that to anchor onto. Uh, And I think that's really important. My question for you, though, is whether or not you think there's a hierarchy to these pillars, because I see a ton of interlinking between them. Yeah, I can make all kinds of arguments for that. But I would just be curious if you see there's a hierarchy there. I think in terms of like maturity, um, there's definitely as your team is growing, like they, these kinds of things ebb and flow. So if you're, like I said, a small team, a young company, you don't have a lot of money, you're not doing DevMops. Like that's fine. Like totally. I've been, I've been at companies where we didn't have DevMops. That's totally fine. Maybe you're paying for custom email templates and landing page templates. I would actually... I would argue that is a really good use of your time and money. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's fine. And like, if again, young, smaller company, newer, like marketing intelligence probably doesn't have to be that sophisticated. You're probably not maybe using, I don't even want to say the A word, um, you know, 
attribution because <laughs> uh, that's a whole other topic. But you attribution, know, what? You know, yeah, it might that might you know be, but you have to have platform ops solid in order to do campaign ops. Campaign like you know, campaign ops is what everybody sees, but if your integrations are messed up, if your um, users and roles are a mess and you have everybody's an admin, mm-hmm. people at home can't see me, but I just got like a real angry yeah, look on like, my she's face. She's talking to you. <laughs> yeah. She's um, talking to me. She's looking right at me. <laughs> you know, um, you know, if things aren't configured properly, um, you know, you know, earlier we were talking about events. If your event platform is not properly integrated with your marketing automation platform, you can send out all the event emails you want. If you can't get registrants to sync into your event platform, that's a problem, you know? And so that kind of stuff is so foundational. If you don't have a clear lead life cycle, if you don't, okay, mm-hmm. I feel, I feel like S, S word scoring also <laughs> kind of like a touchy topic, um, like spoiler yeah. alert, I hate lead scoring, but like, you know, if you don't have some agreed upon framework for that and like consistency in that like actually forget agreed upon because nobody ever agrees on lead scoring they will say they agree and then you launch it and then they complain they begrudgingly agree they agree to disagree (laughs) we just got rid of um i i want to step back to a comment you made earlier about uh the maturity piece and i'm curious what you think Mm -hmm. about you know as like a marketing ops team matures do you think that's like siloed within the team or do you think part of that is also tied to the maturity of the organization when it comes yeah, no, to I think it's like how they accept it? Right. Because yeah. I feel like I'm kind of in, like I, I've had that, like not currently, but I've had that in um, past iterations of this life where, you know, the team is more mature than what the business is willing to accept and we can yeah. do more, but then it's like, it becomes like a teacher student type of situation. Right. Yeah. So it's like, there's, I, it's very, rare that it's like exactly even there's always going to be some kind of discrepancy whether like the ops team is like you're hiring to catch up to meet the needs of the business or you're like you know trying to educate them up to a level does that make sense i'm kind of absolutely no yeah i think you're right and i think there's also you can have a situation where marketing leadership wants more maturity like maybe you get like a new cmo and they have all these like needs for analytics but you're just not quite there yet you know, maybe the data is not there. Maybe you don't have the team in place. Maybe there's other priorities. Um, so yes, there certainly can be tension between the org, um, you know, and the team. But I think marketing ops hopefully can lead, you know, and try to bring everybody with them and educate people, right? You know, I think um, I've, I think everybody on the marketing team has seen the four pillars. Everybody on my RevOps team has seen it. You know, I've given my charter presentation, um, you know, and and I think, um, you know, as much education as you can do. But yeah, I mean, not, not always in lockstep. You're right, Naomi. Hey, everyone. It's Mike Rizzo here, and I'm interrupting your episode to bring you a brief message about, you might have guessed it, Mopsapalooza 2024, our second annual conference held in the vibrant city of Anaheim, California. We're hosting this hybrid event from the 5th of November through the 8th, and we would love for you to join us in person in Anaheim. But if you can't, please join us via live stream, courtesy of our sponsor, Excelibets. We're excited to offer an opportunity for professionals just like you to connect, learn, and grow among the best in the industry. 
Our event promises to be a highlight of the year, offering invaluable professional development experiences, live workshops, and of course, networking with your peers. Don't miss out on this incredible gathering right next to Disneyland in Southern California. Tickets are going fast. We will cap registration at 700 attendees. Secure your pass by visiting marketingops.com today. And we're looking forward to welcoming you to what is guaranteed to be an unforgettable event. It might just be the best event you've ever attended. But don't take my word for it. You can ask the community at any time. We'll see you there. Yeah, so to me, it does. I think think I largely... Um, agree or just I hear you and and I think it's I think it's right to think about you know platform ops probably is a foundational element um, that that needs to be established. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's an argument to be made around this idea of like like where's the bleed over between like uh, the the campaign ops into my ops, right? And yeah. Um, that sort of feels like they almost have to happen simultaneously. And then as soon as the question, sort of like as you alluded to earlier, where you're like, hey, I shouldn't have to slice and dice the data a million different ways. That's actually like an analytics and business intelligence team. When the questions start to become more complex and they start asking nittier, grittier details, maybe that's where my op steps in. But like yeah. campaign ops, you if you don't have, you know, we've, we've had sessions on this in the community, if you don't have like a solid UTM strategy and a, and a life cycle strategy and all of that stuff to track through campaign, you know, um, success rates, someone eventually is going to ask you some complicated question about what's working or, or what, what we hypothesize is working, because let's be real, like, you know, we're not always uh, spot on with that. Um, and you're not going to be equipped to answer that in a myops environment unless you have the the foundational elements of what goes into campaign operations, which I would argue is like you know some analytics tracking, Google Analytics, and and maybe UTM strategy, right? And and I think the other thing, Mike, is that you know, if, assuming you're using Salesforce, um, making sure that your campaign member statuses are consistent. You know, how can you, mm-hmm. you know, all these attribution tools tend to go off Salesforce campaigns and like they pick which ones are, you know, considered success and pull into the attribution model. If you don't have consistency there, like that's a huge problem. And if you, you know, have people who aren't following your instructions and the campaign members never make it from Marketo to Salesforce, you know, mm-hmm. that's another another problem. So I well, think really I think, having that or data. having the discipline of keeping updated on opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually ran into a situation. Heard about a situation recently where the the sales team wasn't closing out lost opportunities or marking oh. those duplicates; they were deleting them. Mm. <laughs> so Wait, for those what? listening, you should have no. like you should have seen the looks on people's well, face. Oh. <laughs> All of our heads just like whoa. Yeah, like I, just, <laughs> I, I heard. I heard. Uh, for those of you with children out in the listening audience, uh, if you haven't seen Forky asks a question on Disney Plus, it was very much the like, what? No <laughs> response to what Michael just said. Yeah, I. I. Oh wow! I'm yeah, speechless. Really? No, I know. I when I heard that, I was like, what? Wait, what? Um, uh, so yeah, but, but I've, I've said for a long time, like from a, I, I actually think that in terms of long-term importance, I'm starting to believe that, that my ops or that reporting analytics is, is, should become more and more important, right? Cause we've had no, 
no issue generating data. It's like, what are we doing with it? It's hard, but it requires to really be able to use it for decision-making or getting better or automating more. The discipline of people doing setup or managing you know, campaigns or managing opportunities all the way through, right? That there's a lot of discipline that's required to make that work the best. And I've yeah. yet to be at a place where they've done done that all the way through consistently. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to express, you can hear me already expressing it. I'm a little frustrated by, by sort of the myops as a category. Um, because like, I, I see it rapidly branching off into a department of business intelligence and data analytics that, that isn't like within the sort of like, if, if there was a marketing ops team, uh, I think there's a very strong dotted line and and they're doing my ops related things, but they are not called a marketing operations professional. That would yeah, be my argument. I mean, uh, I think it depends. So in like my current, uh, current setup, I have, um, you know, a direct report, Geraldine, who part of her job is, is analytics. Um, she um, owns our attribution tool setup. Um, and she, um, did, has done a ton of like campaign, you know, kind of QBR end of year campaign reporting, what's working, what's not working. Um, she, and she works really closely with the BI team. She has a BI analyst she partners with who's phenomenal. They have a really great working relationship. Um, so for, I'll give, I'll give an example of where I think like marketing, um, ops comes into play. So we were having this tension between, so what our campaign member statuses are um, and our campaign types trying to show, trying to versus like the channel of like the effort. So it, you know, we were showing that our demo request form was a big driver. Fortunately, that's you should, that should be especially for your like (laughs) lower, (laughs) you know, lower tier market segments, but marketing leadership was like, well, that doesn't tell me anything. I need to know where those demos are coming from. Are they organic? Are they coming from paid channels? You know, what paid channels are they coming from? But mm-hmm. we didn't want to redo our Salesforce campaign and Marketo program setup and campaign member statuses because that would completely change our campaign ops and, you know, how that works. So she came up um, with a way to pair campaign member statuses and campaign types um, and turn them into, I think we're calling them channels. And that's being built in our BI tool so that we can look and see which channels are driving things. So I think that's where like that partnership really comes, that marketing ops that comes sense. with like the understanding um, and, you know, BI is able to execute, um, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that 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 makes that makes a ton of sense to me. And I, I again, like. Um, I think that there's elements of, of marketing reporting and, and some marketing intelligence stuff that comes out of maybe the tools that you manage. But as you start looking holistically to, to illustrate the point, I think that you made further, uh, as you get to this idea of like, well, yeah, great. The demo requests are generating the best pipeline for us, but like, how are they getting to the demo requests? I don't think that that is a marketing ops person's job to try to figure out. That is a business intelligence challenge where you can supply some some resources, right? Some data inputs, and then they can slice and dice and try to figure out how to make that data actually make sense. Um, and you know, we part of the reason I'm bringing all this up is that like there's a job posted in the community just this week around looking for a data analytics professional. 
And I was like, look, like, yeah, you might find someone who comes out of marketing ops who wants to really move more into data and, and analytics. Um, but that isn't specifically a marketing ops job, right? There's elements of the MyOps thing, but really as you get further into data and analytics, I don't think that that's specifically a marketing ops job. I saw that look on your face, Michael. I know, so I know. It's like I... I um, this is Michael's the engineering background guy. No, so I, I, <laughs> I actually think I, I could, I see where you're coming from. Like at the same time, my experience has been that people who are really like sort of general, I'll call it general purpose. I hate to say it, but you know, BI analytics kind of real, real strong. They like the, the nuances and complexities and messiness of, B2B marketing and sales data really is it's such it's such a it's 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 not it's not as clean as like doing financial data or even just pure sales data, right? I mean I think um so that's why I struggle with like, yeah, I think if you really need to have people who are experts in analytics concepts, like if you're doing predictive scoring or you're doing churn models or Whatever it is, it's sort of complex from a general standpoint, but they don't understand the way that the data is created and flows and the dependencies on people and timing and you know, all that kind of stuff that goes with marketing. I think it's you, you run the risk of it not being very useful or it's going to tell a story that it really shouldn't because it's missing a piece of understanding of how the, the process flows. I am nodding my head in agreement with you. And we're saying the same thing. I'm saying that the marketing ops person needs to advise where that data comes from and what it means. But that other person who's an expert at taking those other inputs from other departments like sales ops or even your IT team and your product team and you're marrying those concepts together, client success for that matter. Is this RevOps? Are we talking about RevOps here? <laughs> it sort of sounds like RevOps. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but anyway, I think, we don't have to keep going down the road. I, I, I just, think it's all I think about, there is a split at some point. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think it's all about like building a team charter and understanding and thinking critically about what your team needs at this point and where you're going in the future. And that's really the other piece that I think that the four pillars is really helpful for as a marketing ops leader or a rev ops leader. Um, really like understanding what do you need now? What, what can you wait on? What can you outsource? Um, especially, I think... We've all seen these job descriptions that is like everything in the kitchen sink they want in a manager level or a specialist level. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. It, yeah. No, it's no longer manager level. It's director titles that are individual contributors. Yeah. 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 That's the truth. Well, that's a thing yes. too. So uh, there's a lot of messiness there. Um, I sound, it seems like I've hit a nerve. I'm going to try to move slowly away from that nerve. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think like really using this to be super clear about what you want. And then, you know, I've been in a situation where I posted a job description and it actually turned out that like that person did not exist. So then I went back and I sort of looked at the different pieces of the job and um, the job, one of the things was DevMops, um, very, actually just really heavy dev. And we were like, you know what, we can use an agency to outsource this. And we mm. cut that part of the job, restructured the job description, and we found Jeanette on my team, who's phenomenal. And it turns out is exactly what we need. Um, so I think, you know, using using the four pillars to structure and to like, as you know, as you're doing the hiring process to adjust if necessary. Um, and I think the other thing 
that's really helpful for the four pillars is like having conversations with your team about what they want to do and where they want to go in their careers. Look, nobody's going to love a hundred percent of their job duties, right? Like we all have to do things we don't want to do sometimes, but if somebody's stuck spending 80% of their time doing stuff they hate, they're going to leave you. (laughs) Um, and you're going to have a much bigger problem. So I think it really helps, you know, drive those conversations with your team about their growth. Well, it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting that you bring that up because when Mike asked the question about is there a hierarchy with those pillars, which implies that they're not all pillars, I think, in that case, right? But anyway. Yeah, for, totally. <laughs> but um, but if there is a hierarchy or even if there's not a hierarchy, is I, I thought you were going to go towards – so you went towards organizational needs, right? What do we need on the team? What do we need to be able to support first versus later? I, I was thinking – could this also apply to individuals who say, you know, I'm currently in um, platform ops or I'm in camp- probably like more likely in campaign, probably starting campaign ops right? and I want to be more in platform ops or I want to more do like now you have a framework also to talk about how, like where can you go to, from a development standpoint and, and grow and learn. Totally. Yeah. And whether, you, whether they're, yeah. No, I was just kidding. It was like, do you, are you use it? Do you use that with yes. your teams? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious if you use something like that as well for as you're working through with your teams. Um, I would say it. it no, not really. It's something that I would like to look more into, though. Um, no, I would say that right now we don't. Got it. Yeah, I think it's it's really important. Um, it's a great way to have those conversations and have the structure, you know, of of, you know, what they're doing and what they, what they want to grow into. And you're right. I think a lot of people move from campaign ops to platform ops, or you may have somebody who's in platform ops and they're really heavy in one platform. Maybe they're, you know, into Marketo, but they want to learn Salesforce. Great. Let's get you into trailhead. Let's, you know, get you learning Salesforce. Um, you know, or maybe they're, you know, want to do more integrations or, or whatever. But I think, um, or if they want to want to do dev more, more power to them. We need more people. And I'm just, I'm thinking a bit more about that question. I'm thinking a bit more about that question, though. And I think part of the reason we don't necessarily have, like, you know, how do you migrate between those two is because the way that my team is structured, it is, like, they already all are subject matter experts in their own sense, right? So I have it structured in the sense where we all are, um, everybody can execute a campaign end-to-end, right, as a baseline. But then everybody is um, subject matter experts in the sense that there's a web developer, there's an email developer, there is a um data operations person there is a designer so it's they all have their own areas of expertise but they kind of touch on both it's they're like hybrid campaign slash platform ops if that makes sense in their area of expertise and then we kind of do there is crossover so for example if um you know our web developer is really interested in something on the data piece right and it's not just like a standard audience like all customers in this region it's maybe you know customers who ha- who have um, open opportunities above this stage who you know also have this product and it's like you know various different things that they may be interested in that they will then do and I love seeing this on my team right where they will partner up and teach each other things right and vice versa so it's less of a you know how do I get from campaign to platform ops to DevOps or vice versa it's kind of I, I think it's just the nature of how I structured my team that they all just want to learn everything. Um, and it might just be very specific to my org. 
I think that's great though, Naomi, because it sounds, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're, you kind of have structured things within the different pillars, but you have people with a growth mindset and that's, I mean, cannot teach a growth mindset. So, you know, having people that want to learn different things, um, you know, I think is wonderful. So earlier you talked about being able to like outsource, uh, the, the development piece, um, to, you know, on the, on, to an agency, I think is what you specifically uh, brought up. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a great example of when it's difficult to find a hire. Uh, <clears throat> maybe you just go find the the agency that can support you. Um, but like, what, what would you say are the appropriate times to hire an agency and then any tips for hiring agencies in general? Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of success, um, hiring agencies. I've also had some challenges, so I can talk about both. Um, but I think there are some times when I would absolutely say hire an agency. One is if you're doing an implementation or migration. Um, I have the humility to know that, like I said, I'm a been Marketo certified since 2016. I'm a four-time Marketo champion. I do not want to do your implementation. (laughs) You know, agencies have these huge like workbooks um, if you're talking about Marketo, they have program templates that they can literally import. You are buying their IP and the money that you're spending to get your platform implemented properly is going to pay out dividends. Um, I think also the dev work of like, like I said, email and landing page templates. Usually these platforms come with like starter templates, but some of these companies, the templates they've built just make things so much easier and so much smoother and really can accelerate your um, email execution and just make your emails look so much better. Um, so those are two things that I would say, like definitely pay an agency for, um, we, we have a lot of, uh, dual, <laughs> I think our agency has like three contracts going on at the same time. Um, you know, and we have an ongoing services contract for like anything and everything, you know, whether we're adjusting our lead life cycle, whether we're have a new privacy and compliance documentation that we need to implement in the stack. A lot of it is like, what can I, what work can I get off my team's plate? That's busy work that doesn't really drive them forward. Like adding new LinkedIn lead gen, you know, doing some data cleanup, sometimes adding new drift bots to Marketo. Like that is not a good use of my team's time. They're in meetings, they're doing like big foundational work, like get that off their plates. Um, So, you know, and also just like having that ongoing services contract means when there's a question you know, there's only two Marketo experts on my team, right? But agencies have dozens. So you talk to your consultant, they don't know, they're going to talk to their team. That's Mm -hmm. golden. And then also like that dev stuff, you have like a small dev project or a bigger dev project, you know, you can just pay for those hours instead of having, trying to have somebody in house. Um, And then uh, other things. So I have not done a ton of this, but some people use agencies for their campaign execution. I think that can work really well. Um, we started using agency for um, email execution for our conference because we just send so many conference emails. And, you know, poor Matt, who runs our email channel, just can't keep up with the volume of emails. He's brought project managing them. He's running them. He's designing them. He's coordinating with the um, copywriter and the designer. But agency actually does the, you know, hands-on keyboard work. Um, And then also for Activate, we have them um, doing all the Marketo program because that is, there's no program template for that. That is a gnarly Marketo program that seems to be changing all the time. 
and doing all the integrations and all that stuff, which frees me up to have the strategic conversations to be in the meetings and understanding and project managing, but I don't have to actually do the work. Yeah. Um, does that kind of jive with what you all have used agencies for? I mean, what, what you described that sort of, um, sort of bucket of hours like model, right? I've used yeah. that. And then also had very project specific stuff. And the, for me, the key was having at least a small core set of the same people who are familiar with our business. And if they were going to change it, like those people need to have new experience too, right? If they were changing them out, right? Having a very sort of well thought through plan for sort of, one person coming in, another person leaving, and the overlap there. And that, that has always worked well. And, um, I've used a little bit of one for like campaign ops, but mostly it's been kind of other, the same thing, right? It's not, you know, for things that need, they're important, they need to be done and taken care of, but not, not sort of moving towards strategic stuff, which is what I want my team to be working on. We've yeah. used agencies for project uh, bases. We haven't used them as a retainer for execution or anything like that but it's definitely we've definitely done it on a project basis where there's maybe expertise that the team doesn't have or something more complicated um, and that's worked well for us but you know i'm never going to say no to extra hands but that just so far seems to be how it's yeah how we've how we've engaged with our with our agency yeah i would i would have to agree like i'm not going to say no for extra help because <laughs> i'm sure there's always a way to creatively use the extra hands but uh, I think a lot of this, interestingly, like com- definitely comes from from the more advanced, like, well, ugh, that's the wrong way to describe it. The more challenging systems that can that that can be harder to implement. Um, so I think Marketo falls into that bucket for sure. Um, it, you know, and and by challenging, it just means you need to think through it, right? Um, and at least that's how I'm thinking about it. And and even in the Eloqua space, right? Those are big sort of enterprise platforms that can service pretty, pretty large organizations. Um, I haven't person like from my experience, uh, having used HubSpot, like it is very rare that I ever had to reach out to an agency to really help with, um, with much of anything in HubSpot. Now that they're moving in a direction of, of more RevOps centric stuff though, I'm seeing it more and more and more that you need someone that really understands the ins and outs of the connectivity between all the objects and the relationships within HubSpot to then go tap into an agency for their experience. But it's, it's interesting to have watched the evolution of that um, happen from a tool that was very marketeer friendly to now something that is very, um, uh, that is more robust and, and ready for some scale and now needs maybe a little bit more of that technical expertise. And so I'm hearing what all of you are saying, and I'm like, gosh, yeah, that's super interesting through the lens of Marketo. I have some experience in Marketo now, but got, like up till now, I haven't seen much of a need within, you know, outside of within just the last, let's call it like two years for, for leveraging agency help on, on the HubSpot side of things. And now I'm like, okay, I understand why there's a whole like category of RevOps agencies for HubSpot these days. <laughs> totally. And, you know, one thing I would, I would tell people is, I don't look, I don't really know a ton about corporate finances. I don't really quite understand how they decide what budget goes to what, but there always seems to be budget for agency when there's not budget for headcount. So I would encourage people, if you're feeling like you're struggling, you don't have budget to hire a full-time person, 
see if there's agency budget, because in my experience, they can usually shuffle things around and give you a chunk of money that you can use, whether it's for a big project or just to offload some work on your team or to get some expertise on things, um, you know, no matter what your platform is. Um, I mean, we use agencies and I can think of at least three of our platforms. You know, we have a, we have a great business systems team. We also have, you know, Salesforce dev team. So our sales outsourced um, Salesforce dev. So there's like, you know, um, there's, there's definitely a lot of opportunities. But the thing to remember about hiring an agency is you do have to be conscientious when you hire them and you have to manage them. Yes. It's not like you, you just know. like you're, you're washing your hands of it and there's nothing else you do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you want to find somebody. So like you were saying, Mike, there didn't used to be as many agencies that use that, you know, specialize in HubSpot, you want somebody who specializes in your platform and you want them to have a lot of people specializing in your platform. Because like I said, you know, your consultant is probably very smart, but they only are, they're only one person. But if they have a team, they have their own internal Slack where they can ask people that is golden. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, more. I think, yeah. Yeah, making yeah, I definitely agree with that. So yeah. and I think I think sorry just 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 the the call out to ask for agency headcount help uh, is is a good one and I think uh, this episode and and your blog post talking about the four pillars is, is good fodder for making that argument right like because yep. um, there's a good chance you might get pushback from your leadership that says well isn't this part of your job yeah. <laughs> and then you go back to the, like well let me show you the four pillars <laughs> yep. and this one i don't do <laughs> and so now give me the budget for the agency thanks yeah okay. and i also um i just published an article about like top 10 tips for finding an agency that works for your team and i think that's really like the thing is that agency that works for you you know you want to look for an agency that's worked with companies like yours and you want references for companies like yours i had an experience where um, my boss hired a marketing ops agency that she'd worked with before and we had a really bad experience with them. Mm -hmm. And she thinks that part of the problem was when she used them at a, she used them at a huge giant, you know, global corporation. And we were like a much smaller SaaS, you know, uh, pre IPO SaaS company. So make sure they're used to working with companies like yours and make sure that like they communicate in the way that works for you. So if you use Slack, Slack, oh my God, I think Slack connect is like so genius. So I can... DM or yeah. get or pull my consultants into a channel. And it's just like they're part of my team because yeah. I would like email chains to die. <laughs> um, and you want to like talk to them about how communicative are they? How responsive are they? How quickly can you schedule meetings? I had trouble with an agency where the principal consultant, it would take like two weeks to get a meeting with him. And there was so much back and forth because he didn't have like a Calendly or, you know, a scheduling tool like that. Whereas like my consultant that I have now, I can look at her Calendly and I can see when she's available and she usually has meeting, has openings the next day. Um, so, you know, I think that's really yeah. important. Um, I think those are all great points. So, so speaking of your blog, blog and lit recent posts and everything. So this has been super interesting conversation. I think we could go on for a while, but we are going to have to cut it off. Folks want to connect with you or keep up with your blog blog. Like what? How? What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, um, marketingopsadvice.com is uh, is the best place to go for resources. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, it's just LinkedIn.com/slash/in/slash/amygoldfine. Uh, all one word. You can uh, follow me there. You can also like reach out on the MoPros. I'm pretty active there. Would love to 
you know, have some conversations going there as well. Awesome. Well, again, Amy, thank you so much. Mike, Naomi, thank you for being here. Thanks to all of our listeners for being a part of this. Continue to support us, rate us, give us feedback. Uh, if you've got, uh, if you want to be a guest or, or you know somebody who'd be a good guest, let us know that. Um, and with that, we're at Sarap. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.